This is a super impromptu intro because I forgot to do an intro, so I'm going to make it fast because this episode really isn't about intros. This is episode 66 of Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap. Now the music. Da, 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 da. sharing with you that real-time stuff that I said I would before. Right now, I am entire place, as opposed to being on this camping trip that I was going to be taking with my brother. The voice you just heard was Jet Dunlap in the field. And much like this show, what that is, is an experiment. At the moment of recording in real time, I was in a place of tension, stress, anxiety. Moments before that, I had to make decisions rapidly to control whether or not myself and the people I was going with were going to go on a mountain climbing trip that day. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is a part of that experiment that goes into this show to begin with. I had a theory a little while ago, I think about two or three episodes ago, where I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I took an imperfect audio source in the field and recorded my feelings as they occurred. My reason for that was when I was going and seeing a psychiatrist, there was only one that ever worked for me. His name was Steve Nelson, and I've talked about him many times. When I first saw Steve, Steve said, okay, when you're done lying, I'll tell you what's going on. I had just been monologuing. And for a lot of people, that would make your heart sink. For me, it did the same. Every time I went and saw this guy, he told me what I didn't want to hear. He at one point said, I will not see you as a patient anymore until you stop drinking. Which I thought, how irresponsible of him. I was in my very early 20s. But he was unwilling to work with me if I was unwilling to work with him. Because he knew no good could come from our meetings if I didn't actually put in the effort. So the reason I mentioned that was even when I was 17 and going to a psychiatrist, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to be able to talk to someone about what you felt in real time? Now, one of the tools you use when you see a therapist is to journal, which I've told you I've done since I was 13, even before I ever went to a psychiatrist. Now, this can be helpful because it reveals the emotions in near real time. We all paint with brushes of kindness when we look at what we've done or what we felt or the problems we've had, especially when we're new to the psychotherapy game. So what I started doing in this episode, and what you'll hear in a moment, when we go back into my world of the problems that I had that day that were going to prevent me and the people with me from going on this trip, is giving you a real-time view of my problem and solution as it happened minutes after it occurred. I'm going to continue to try and do this in an effort to let you see the problem-solving solutions I have while my adrenaline is high from the anxiety. Because as I'm doing this show in my house or in my studio, I have time to reflect. And I'm going to give you a better view, even if I don't mean to. And this is with anyone, even if they tell you they don't. I'm going to give you a more perfect view because I've had the time to reflect. You know, I'm a... (laughs) 
a hindsight clairvoyant, right? I can tell the future of the past because I'm able to look at it from there. And so with an effort in the future and in this episode, I'm trying to give you what I felt in that moment. So I return you back to Granada Hills, where I am at a tire shop, where at that exact moment, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go on this vacation because a myriad of different problems had happened. Here we go. So I'm pulling out my tires, and I noticed that in one of my FJ Cruiser's tires, I have 20 pounds of pressure. I'm like, oh, that's no good. And then I find a nail in it. Oh, no, a nail. What will I ever do? I feel so terrible. Is this God trying to smite me? Is this me for having bad karma? Am I just a bad person? Why do these things happen to me? If you're a long-time listener, you remember in August, we had this same thing happen to us. Our trailer had a big issue where I had to go back home and try and weld. Then I had to go to Harbor Freight. Then I had to go to a bunch of hardware stores. And Gina and I are back by like eight hours. And it was totally stressful and horrible and no fun. So when I told a friend of mine I was doing this because he called me, he's like, man, this happens to you all the time. Now I have a choice here. I could write a narrative and go, oh, no, I have a punctured tire from a nail, which is pretty weird, too, because I have 33-inch off-road tires. So it takes a real nail to be able to do this. And I'm like, why me? Why me? I had a blowout a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> which I forgot about, in our F-150. We have a full-size spare on the FJ. So I'm thinking, no problem. No biggie. I can take care of this. I'm using the belt and suspenders trick. I have made such high preparations that I can take care of this right now. So I take the spare off the back gate of the FJ Cruiser. It's an off-road vehicle, so it's ready to have these kind of tire issues. I jack the uh, FJ up, which was not easy. I, had, I have a high jack, thank goodness, because it's lifted and regular jacks won't hit it. Is this too much information about off-road vehicles? Nah, you're here for this. So I put the jack stand underneath because jack stand safety is important. A good friend of mine's father got killed by uh, his jack falling over and crushing him, actually in Chatsworth when the guy was in his 40s. Um, so definitely jack stand safety is important. If nothing else, take that from this episode. I put it up. I take the lugs off. I take the spare tire off the back. This thing is huge, almost about 100 pounds, but I've been working out. So look, fate has put me in a position, if I look at it from a positive angle, where I can actually do this physically. I put the spare tire on. I inflate it. I'm putting the lugs on, and I notice one of the bolts, one of the bolts that goes into the lugs that goes on the spare tire is a little rusty and a little wonky. I put the tire back on, and my brother's trying now at this point to meet us at the location we're going to caravan. And the lug shears right off my tire and wheel assembly. So now I have destroyed the bolt that goes into the lug that attaches the tire to the car, and my spare tire has a flat. So even though I have a spare tire, this does me no good now because, uh, you know, I don't have enough bolts to safely tow something up to the mountains. So I call, and I could have said, I mean, basically, guys, I'm telling you this because I could have sat and had a pity party. I told Gina and Stephen right after it happened, I said, we're out of the trip. We can't do it. At the same time, my brother was telling me he was at the meetup place and he was ready to go. So instead of being selfish, even though Gina and I don't need to go on this trip and it's a lot easier to do nothing than something, I said, well, F that. I told them I wasn't going to be able to make it, but let's find out. So I call this tire place. I tell them the situation and that I need the spare fixed and I need the... uh, bolt put back on and they're like oh we don't have enough time and i'm like well it's really important plus i'll tip you i used to know a guy there before i'm a good customer you know i'm about to go on this trip anyway they changed their plans and i stayed true to my deal when they got there i went over and i uh, met this guy ben cool deed cool deed <laughs> cool dude and uh, i tipped him and uh i said yeah if you guys get this done that's great that'd be tremendous talked to my friend on the phone who called me earlier 
he was the one who said, wow, it seems like you're just not lucky with this. And I said, that's a choice. I make a choice in this moment right now. And this is the exact moment. I'm here right now outside the tire place as I speak to you. I told you before, I thought this is important to tell you while the moment is happening. I was really stressed. Not, you know, overly stressed. I've been through these situations before. It's kind of a triage situation, you know, where you have two or three things go wrong at a time. But I'm standing here and we're still going to go on the trip. Now it's 4.37 p.m., which, again, this is very detailed. But uh, it's 4.37 p.m. and we were supposed to get out of here at 3. I don't know how long this is going to take. Gina's just sitting at home. This puts our trip back. Steven's never been to this off-road location in Alabama Hills, so he's going to have a hard time getting there. But I even sent him some pictures of the places we went before that had the locations we chose. My point of this story is, right now, I am in a crappy situation. I thought also, from another position, as opposed to thinking that I'm doubly cursed, I thought, wait a second, I found this situation out before I was in the road. That horrible thing that happened to us in the F-150 all those years ago, before the car got, you know, in a giant accident, which would even seem, we got, at the exact same time last year, we got in a giant accident where the vehicle was totaled. The year before that, the F-150 blew out a tire on the highway when we were towing the trailer, and we were late for our job by two days, because we had to spend the night in some town on the central coast. So I can write all this up to being a part of that situation and creating a complete narrative about how we're just not lucky and maybe we shouldn't have these kind of vehicles and maybe we shouldn't kind of do these kind of things. Because more often than not, in the last four years, something like this has happened. And it's a huge pain in the neck. And it could change people's plans. It could change people's approach to their recreation or just their idea that they have a uniquely unlucky life. However, because I am sticking with you guys and keeping to my commitments of being rational and understanding that things like this happen and looking at the best side of what happened, I'm choosing to see this as a benefit. So I am Jet Dunlap. I'm going to give it over to the other Jet Dunlap now, who is hosting the show currently in a better audio quality location. I'm thinking of themselves. Why does he keep talking about audio quality? I am at my tire location right now, and I'm going to go check on my vehicle to see if I can start my vacation. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. So what are a couple things we could learn from that? I listened to this before I did this recording to make sure that what I heard and what I felt would be accurate to the explanation. I am good when my adrenaline is up. That is because of my attention deficit disorder. And that is why a lot of people with ADD seek connection with life through dangerous activities. I rode motorcycles at 160 miles per hour. I jumped out of airplanes. I did martial arts. Even getting up on stage and doing stand-up comedy or doing improv is something that challenges you. And I thrive under that adrenaline. Doesn't mean it's easy for me to go do it. I was terrified of heights. As a matter of fact, on our first date, Gina and I talked about what we would and would never do. And I said, I'd never jump out of an airplane. And I did. The reason I mention that is, is that when I had the first decision to think about how I would react to this issue that came up with my vehicle, I acted quickly and decisively. So I took off the back tire, put it on the car. Once the bolt snapped, I could have let what I have done in the past, call it a superstition, call it a whatever you want to, you know, whatever mental illness or anxiety it is. I could have said, well, this is a sign not to do this, obviously. 
And I told you that over the last four years, I've had so many different things that have come up with vehicle issues on vacation. Blowing out that tire on the truck, it was a size 35 tire. When I fell, I fell so high, I thought I snapped the axle. I was on the freeway on the 101. We had to pull over to the side while the metal was grinding. We thought we were hit. They had to tow the trailer and the truck. We had to walk eight miles that day to a hotel to be able to stay somewhere. And uh, we were late for our job. So that was horrifying. Later on, we got new tires. It ended up costing me almost $2,000, the whole thing, right? So I had that stress. Then uh, last year, we were driving the truck and we got hit by a semi in the rain. I have been on many vacations where I've been hit. And of course, I fear those things. So because of that, and I'm not fearing them because they're crazy, I'm fearing them because they've happened, right? I wasn't at the moment when I was looking at my car, but uh, we let the experiences of yesterday affect today because it's just stimulus. What are you going to do? You know, it sets a precedent. So I threw the new tire on, and when I was putting the new tire on, I saw that, like I said, the bolt was a little wonky. And then when I put the pressure on, I even told Gina later that I thought that maybe I put a little too much pressure on it on purpose to see if it would snap, basically testing it. And the only reason I'm dwelling on this is because it's a specific example. The thing snapped. I went in. I took care of it. We went on the vacation. The photos from the vacation. Please go to my Instagram page, which is jetdunlap.com and, uh, or jetdunlap on Instagram. And that's again with two T's, like the show, because these pictures from the mountains wouldn't have happened. This bonding with my brother and my wife wouldn't have happened. And the story that I'm going to tell you next wouldn't have happened if I laid in my fears. And for me, and I think some of it's a little bit of uh, self-fulfilling, the best things that ever happened to me, and maybe why I like rock climbing, why I used to like distance running, is joy is always on the other side of difficulty. I think that's, I don't think that. I know that that's the case in a lot of humans, most of us. I mean, that's everything. What am I talking about? When you're learning how to crawl, you have to keep falling before you can walk. Sorry, when you're learning how to walk. So everything that comes to us is on the other side of failure and difficulty. But the reason I share with you this story specifically is I've been listening to a lot of audio on, and don't don't worry, I'll get to the story in a minute, but I've been listening to a lot of audio from people I admire and respect, people who write books, and then when they do interviews, I listen to them and I go, wow, that is perfect. I mean, I want to write down everything they say, and I used to. I used to have notes on Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power Now and A New Earth, that were almost as long as the book. (laughs) Of course, I wrote bigger. But the point is, so much of what he says, even when he lectures, is so elegant, so profound, so brilliant, that you're just sitting there in awe. I think my show is the opposite. (laughs) I think so much of my show is so stupid, so obvious. How many times have you laughed at something where you've gone, if you're a long-time listener, and gone, oh my God, how does he keep running into that? Why can't he say that word? And I think that's the offering. I think that's the offering. I think that because it's so imperfect and it's nothing like these great spiritual teachers or these pillars of motivation, then maybe it's relatable to a demographic that wants to hear this kind of stuff. So I I hope that's what's happening. That's just a thought that came to me recently because uh, I've been listening to these great instructors and spiritual leaders, and uh, they're just so different than me. So here's the story. I get the tire done, and uh, I go back home. I hitch up the trailer. We go out there. Beautiful drive. I like driving at night up to the mountains in the high desert because it's like being in a spaceship, right? Um, 
you can't see where you are, but you see these glimpses. And it's just beautiful. It reminds me of Star Wars. I've always liked this drive on 395 through the hair. <laughs> There's a perfect example. Through the hair desert. The hair desert. Oh, wow. I guess that's what bald people have. Through the high desert. Enough of the hair desert. Uh, I like it, too, because you can't gauge time. So I'm very good at understanding geography and the distance between those areas, even at variable speeds. Again, been hiking my whole life, been driving on long trips my whole life, but also been making this drive since before I could even make memories. I was going, my first camping trip was when I was like three weeks old. So very familiar terrain. We get up there, Steven's already up there, and my brother, and uh, we're at this beautiful rock that I taught him where to go to. Didn't teach him, but I sent him the coordinates for uh, it's funny, too, because he said when I didn't send the coordinates and I'm like, just go up because I'm not going to be able to make it on time because the uh, situation with the tire. He's like, OK, I'll see what happens. And then his girlfriend had told him later, I'm worried about you going up there. You don't know that area. I do. And uh, he said, don't worry, Jed will send me the coordinates. And I didn't even know I was going to send him the coordinates. But it was funny to me. And Gina knew the same thing, that I was obviously going to make sure he knew how to get there uh, the right way and was not without guidance. It's funny, though, that people can count on something that I didn't even realize I was going to do. Anyway, we get up there, we set up camp, and the sky is unreal. If you don't, on a regular basis or even occasionally, go out to a place where there's almost no light saturation from the city, do yourself a favor and do this. I don't care where you live, somewhere within 40 miles or a little more is going to be somewhere where there is no light saturation or nearly. No. Where we were is a specific place for astronomy where... The light saturation is extremely low, so or light pollution, so you can just see the stars in dimension. And what I mean by that is that when you see the stars at home, you're more like Gina and I live right now on the outskirts in the hills of uh, Rocky Peak. Um, at night, you can see the stars, but they're not dimensional. When you see them out here, you see the ribbon of the Milky Way, even when the crescent moon was out, and then you see this just, it's like a forest of stars. Because in the forest, you can see trees that are closer to you and further away. When you usually see stars, it's in this singular plane, right? But this is just such beautiful, vivid dimension. And so that always puts me in awe. And uh, I've just been in love with that since I first saw it. I mean, obviously, right? It makes you feel small and therefore insignificant. And you would think insignificant in the sense that most humans consider it. Oh, no, I want to be significant. What I mean by that is your problems and everything else just melt away because if you're this tiny thing on this giant place in this extremely giant solar system that is making the place that even you're on Earth small, then what are you worried about? And you've heard this before, but go out there, do it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you have done it, which I think a lot of my listeners have, you know what I'm talking about. The next day we start going climbing and we have our ropes. Remember, we climbed a lot last year. I know over 85 times last year I climbed. I have a climbing journal. And then I shattered my ankle in March of last year, tearing the ligaments, doing cartilage damage. What was it? A hairline fracture. Basically, my ankle is still messed up. I still can't do any stair steppers or anything like that at the gym. When we did our uh, June trip up to the uh, trying, attempting the summit of uh, Whitney, Mount Whitney, we didn't make it. But it was also just I was in so much pain and my ankle has been bad ever since, even now. So I hadn't been rock climbing as much as I wanted to, but I've been working out and working on my training to make sure I'm not neglecting my fitness that could keep me in it. A part of doing something like rock climbing is understanding that there's failure involved. And that failure was a setback from where I was going. I was on a trajectory to get really good. But even in the books you read about this subject, you know, injury is going to be a part of it. I say that all to say this. We park up next to this place that Gina and I had stayed last year for, for, for her birthday. Not a bad spot. But the next day, 
the place that I wanted my brother to go to to begin with, which is just right up against this like shark fin rock, which is just gorgeous. I'll put it in the uh, in the picture of this show. I had discovered rock climbing there in 2018. In 2018, I went to a thrift store in Mammoth and I got a pair of rock climbing shoes. My whole life, I've wanted to rock climb, but it seemed cost prohibitive and my dad was always afraid of it. So when I looked at these gods of the rocks, which turns out they really were, if you uh, do any research on it, in the 90s and I'd hang out in Yosemite and see these guys over at Camp 4, these just unbelievable pioneers of rock climbing, I was there during that time and didn't even know it. My dad would always look at them and think of them as so impressive. We'd go to the bars they went to, the rock climbing bars. My uncles and I'd go there, and we'd be rubbing shoulders with some of the greats. And uh, I was taught through my dad's fears that, you know, these guys were someone else. They were different than us. Um, They were some kind of skilled creature that we weren't able to obtain because they didn't have those fears. And so I took his fears, and I I I did a whole episode on this. I took his fears and uh, made them my own and was afraid of rock climbing, although I always wanted to do it. Those fears went away when I found these old rock shoes. Could I have afforded rock climbing shoes? Yes, but it's not something you just jump into if you don't have a friend doing it. I didn't have any friends doing it. Bought these rock climbing shoes. This is going to be a fast story. Uh, Went back, climbed some trees to test out the rock climbing shoes. Then on the way back, we stayed in the Alabama hills. Never stayed there before. And we found this spot that now, this last week, Stephen, myself, and Gina went to. So to give you a clear idea of the time periods, I'm referring to what we did this last week after the tire issue would be in uh, January, late January of 2020. When I went there before with Gina was in August, late August of 2018. So in late August 2018, I went up there and I started testing out these rock climbing shoes on this rock, the same one that we ended up going to in 2020. And I see this person one day when we wake up, and I don't actually see her. Uh, Falcor notices her first. We're in our tent, our rooftop tent on uh, our trailer. And Falcor's barking and growling and barking and growling and barking and growling. We, we hear these people talking. And uh, they're rock climbing, which, again, I've never even been this close to them with the eyes of an observer looking to do what they're doing, right? So if you see someone doing something and you're not ever going to do it, you're not looking with the same eyes as you would if it, as if it's going to be something you attempt, right? Obviously, you're going to be scrutinizing a little more with much more interest. So I start watching them. And uh, Falcor's still going crazy because she thinks she owns the entire area, her little 10-pound self, the little nutcase. Anyway, so I see them and uh, I see this girl, this lady. Her name is Jen. We are since become friends met each other and uh, follow each other on social media. She gets to the top and I go to myself. I, I don't go to myself. I'm already there. <laughs> I say to myself, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going to be able to climb that rock. The only qualifications for rock climbing I had at that moment was I had found shoes three days earlier. I had played around with bouldering, not even knowing really it was called bouldering that day. And looking at this rock face, it looks pretty intimidating, but I said, I'm going to do that one day. And the person, Jen, ends up being someone I keep in touch with, kind of a, a, you know, like spiritual hero for me. She moved out to Lone Pine from the city, and she just rock and rolls up there with her uh, now fiancé who owns a mountaineering place. Um, and uh, that place is called Big Willie's Sporting Goods. A little plug for them. A little, Of course, I don't get paid, but a plug for them out in Lone Pine, California. And his name is Blair. So I saw her do this, and I took a picture. So when Steve and Gina and I are out in the mountains last week, I said, well, let's not stay in the place we are right now, even though we built camp, which the old version of me would be like, you stay where you stay. That's an impression of my dad. You are where you are, and Popeye the Sailor Man. (laughs) But I decided to move, even though it was going to be more difficult. We moved. We moved to the place that we were in 2018. And we're messing around, climbing around, blah, 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 and we get to this rock, the same one 
that Jen had climbed in 2018, the one that I said I would climb. Now, I'm not even thinking about this, as is the case with most of these things. Uh, that was clum- clumsy word usage, but you get the idea. And uh, so we get down there, and we're belaying, and we're cl- uh, I'm lead climbing, you know, trying to get to these what are called pitches, which is where the bolts are. And I'm clipping in with my carabiner, which is the little hook clip thing. And uh, we're not getting up there. It's not happening. So we go to bed that night. Next day, we wake up. I want to attempt it again. Trying, trying, trying. And uh, eventually, I get there. And at the very top, I have to release myself so I can thread the rope through the uh, the top of the harness area, the, the bolt, so I can uh, rappel down. But as I'm sitting up there, I realize that I'm exactly where I saw and exactly the picture I took of Jen in 2018. And that I had fulfilled that dream of mine, you know, a small one. Maybe it's a big one. I don't know. It's a small one for me because I want to win an Academy Award and, you know, uh, <laughs> master uh, space flight and, uh, you know, uh, all these crazy things. I've got the same mind as Elon Musk, but uh, not his financial resources. So a small one for me, but still an objective achieved and a kind of beautiful one because I had the picture still of Jen being at that top and uh, I was able to see what I had looked at not even two years prior, and said, I'm going to do that. And then Stephen and Gina got up there, and Stephen climbed amazingly. He even did a route that I didn't have the energy to do, and uh, it was awesome. We came home, and the pictures are incredible. The pictures Stephen took are beautiful. They're just pictures of these moments of me doing a thing I wanted to do my whole life. Now, I've been doing it a lot. I've climbed over 90 times, uh, and that's a lot to do in less than two years. But, uh, But to see the pictures makes it real. And because of Steve, I have those. And because of Jen being there at that exact right moment, um, it's funny too, because the hat Jen was wearing that day I took her picture, didn't know who she was, by the way, had never met her in my life. It was just cool that she was up there and I took her picture. And I've sent sent the picture to her. It's not like, you know, I'm this weirdo who has pictures of uh, randos. But, uh, you know, it was just this rock climber that I admired at the time. So it was pretty cool. All that stuff just coming full circle. All these things that I didn't know about coming to, into fruition. And... Uh, None of this would have happened if I had given up. And I'll tell you something else. If I'd given up on the tire being blown out and then taking that as a sign, oh, we don't have enough time, we're already backed up. Remember, I had told Stephen, oh, I'm not going to do it. Gina, I'm not going to do it. 13 seconds later, I changed my mind. If Ben, the guy at uh, the tire place, had said no to me, if I wasn't able to get to him, I wouldn't have been able to make it. If uh, when I sheared off the bolt, I could have definitely had enough excuses not to go. But think about that magic thing that happened to me, coming full circle on that achievement and seeing Gina and Steven, you know, climb together. These are people who only climbed because I was doing it at the time. Uh, and I got them to go to the rock climbing gym. I'm sure Steven would have a different version of that story, but that's the case. And uh, so to have these two most important people to me by my side doing this incredible thing was so beautiful. And It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gotten those shoes in 2018, and it wouldn't have happened if I'd given up and let those little hiccups. They could have been big issues if I'd chosen to give my brain's fears permission to do that. If I'd let those become real, none of that would have happened. And so, there is my episode. I'm out of those words. I wanted to give you something that I felt was special, which is a real-time observation of what happened in the moment, and then the great things that happened because I didn't give in to that fear. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jet Dunlap. This was psychotherapy. Go out there. Climb that rock. 
don't break your wheels. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>